Who is my neighbor? Jesus was asked after declaring that love of God and love of neighbor are the greatest commandments. Who is my enemy? Some might ask after hearing his call to love our enemies and to pray for those who persecute us. Radical Islam charges a DVD entitled Obsession, Radical Islam's War Against the West, which is being inserted as advertising in tens of millions of newspaper home deliveries in election swing states. This video, produced in 2005, was shown on Fox News in 2006 and then screened on some college campuses during 2007 by David Horowitz. Although the DVD states in online screen text near the beginning that it is not indicting most Muslims, the Fighting Radical Islam's website, the producer of the video, states otherwise. I'm quoting, Islam is less a personal faith than a political ideology that exists in fundamental and permanent state of war with non-Islamic civilizations, cultures, and individuals. Some Christians share this view. One of my Ohio cousins luridly described what Muslims were going to do to us, our children, and grandchildren if we do not fight them when he objected to our denomination's call for peace in Iraq during a congregational discussion. A Tanzanian Christian I met in Brazil while we waited at a shuttle stop to go to the World Council of Churches Assembly told me that he supported what he called President Bush's war against Muslims. We have to fight them, he said, alluding to the 1998 bombings of American embassies in Tanzania and Kenya linked to local members of al-Qaeda. Thankfully, before I could respond, another Tanzanian, a Lutheran bishop, disagreed, insisting that we must learn to live together. Muslim religious leaders take a similar stance in a common word between us and you. This document was issued last October to some 30 specific Christian leaders, including Pope Benedict XVI, and Reverend Mark S. Hansen, with his titles, presiding bishop of the ELCA and president of the Lutheran World Federation, as well as to leaders of Christian churches everywhere. Elias Mallon, a Graymore Franciscan, Roman Catholic, and 20-year veteran of Catholic-Muslim dialogue, says that this document is truly remarkable. His reasons... It comes from Muslim religious leaders from around the world and all branches of Islam. It addresses diverse Christian leaders by name, and it carefully and respectively discusses a range of Jewish and Christian scriptures, relating them to Quranic text. A common word, according to Malin, represents a dramatic breakthrough in Christian-Muslim relations. The Muslim religious leaders state that without peace and justice between Muslim and Christian communities, which together make up well over half the world's population, there can be no meaningful peace in the world. They recognize that Christianity and Islam are obviously different religions, but although there is no minimizing 
some of the formal differences, the two greatest commandments, they say, are an area of common ground and a link between the Quran, the sacred text of Islam, the Torah, the sacred text of Judaism, and the New Testament, the sacred text of Christians. The basis for peace and understanding already exists, they claim, in the very foundational principles of both faiths, love of the one God and love of the neighbor. A careful study of these principles in the scriptures of both religions, Christianity and Islam, makes up the body of the document. In their conclusion, they ask that we not let our differences cause hatred and strife between us. They cite a passage from the Quran that asks that we vie with each other only in righteousness and good works. They urge, let us respect each other, be fair, just, and kind, and live in sincere peace, harmony, and mutual goodwill. I agree with Father Mallon that this is indeed a remarkable document. Yet even if we want to heed this call for peace and harmony between Christians and Muslims, fear, prejudice, and mistrust may make it difficult. I confess to you that I understand these emotions all too well. I accepted an invitation to a small meeting of Jewish, Christian, and Muslim women in Washington, D.C. just a few weeks after the 9-11 attacks. The healing tree was the theme of the meeting, and all three traditions have an image of a healing tree. We were to learn to know each other and to share resources from our traditions for peace and healing, which we would reproduce for use in congregations. When I boarded a huge plane at LAX to go to D.C., it was nearly empty. You may remember if you flew after that time. Very few people were flying, just a handful of passengers, and no one else boarded. I was seated in a row across from a group of men that appeared Middle Eastern. As we waited to take off, some of them were talking on their cell phones. I began to be anxious and an internal dialogue raged in my mind. They look Arab, but they may not be, and so what if they are? They went through security. Yes, but so did the 9-11 attackers. They're probably as anxious about this flight as I am. Yes, but what what if something happens? I finally got up before the plane took off and moved a few rows back where I could watch them unobtrusively. I was deeply ashamed of my fear, my prejudice, and my mistrust, but also determined to overcome these feelings and work for peace and healing between us. Our plane arrived safely in D.C., and for the first two days, the meeting I attended went well. We slowly became comfortable with each other, Jew, Christian, Muslim, and began to find common ground among our traditions. But on the third day, news of the bombing campaign that started the war in Afghanistan disrupted our work, and we were not able to finish. Some feared that this was the start of a war against Islam. Others, that Israel would be attacked in retaliation. All feared that loved ones and innocent lives might be lost. Our varied loyalties and commitments made the search for common ground too difficult at that time. These loyalties and commitments continue to be a challenge in interfaith dialogue. 
In the summer of 2007, I participated in a U.S. Institute of Peace-funded consultation of Jewish, Christian, and Muslim theologian, ethicists, and educators, both women and men, searching for just peacemaking practices in our three Abrahamic religious traditions as alternatives to war. Each group prepared a document drawing in their own tradition, which was then shared to discover common ground among us. Although we did identify some shared practices, we disagreed about whether the use of armed force was ever morally acceptable. A Palestinian Muslim participant participant had asked if we would all commit to nonviolence, as he had. As we discussed this, one of our Jewish participants said, with much anguish, that while Muslims and Christians together are over half the world's six billion-plus people, there are only 18 million Jews left in the world, about half of whom live in Israel. He added, and my children and grandchildren live there. If Israel's destroyed, half the Jewish community is destroyed. In these circumstances, he concluded, we just cannot give up the right to use force to defend ourselves. As Christians and Muslims work to find common ground, we must remember that the common word we speak, love of God and love of neighbor, comes from Jewish scripture and that our work for peace and justice must also be inclusive of our Jewish sisters and brothers. We can practice just peacemaking together, even though we may disagree about the use of force in self-defense. At the local level, we can learn more about each other's faith traditions and engage in interfaith community service projects, promising practices already underway in many communities around the U.S. The quirky independent film Frozen River poignantly portrays what is at stake. Ray is a working-class Anglo mother whose husband has just left. She is struggling to purchase a prefab home to replace the leaky trailer she and her two children live in. Lila, a young Mohawk widow, wants to regain custody of her young son. They use Ray's car to smuggle undocumented immigrants across the frozen winter river that separates upstate New York from Canada during winter. Ray more or less does what Lila tells her. Lila had been involved in smuggling before during several trips to pick up frightened Chinese waiting to cross into the U.S., But when the people waiting on one trip appear to be a Muslim couple, Ray refuses to take them until Lila insists. Although the couple object, Ray puts the travel bag they are carrying into her trunk. She stops midway across the river, gets out, and leaves the bag on the ice, unbeknownst to the couple. She gets back into the car and mutters to Lila, who knows what's in there, nuclear material, um, anthrax, other chemical weapons. What are they going to do with that? When they deliver the couple to the drop-off point, the woman becomes hysterical when she learns that the bag is gone. Someone translates, telling them that the couple's baby is in the bag. Lila and Ray who don't much like each other, 
or each other's people know that they have to go back and find the bag, even though the ice is beginning to thaw. They soon find the bag, but it isn't clear whether the baby is alive or not. Lila holds the baby close to her during the drive back while Ray drives, and soon it begins to move. Lila believes this is a miracle. Ray is skeptical. It was never dead. No matter, returning the baby to the grateful parents transforms Lila and Ray's relationship and their lives. Ray manages to put a down payment on the prefab home. Then she offers to take the wrap when their smuggling is discovered by law enforcement so that Lila can regain custody of her son. Lila and her son move in with Ray's two children to care for them while Ray serves her short prison sentence. Overcoming fear, prejudice, and mistrust brings grace-filled new beginnings. Let us respond positively to the call of Muslim religious leaders to respect each other, be fair, just, and kind, and live in sincere peace, harmony, and mutual goodwill. Or as the the, uh, Jewish tradition says, do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with our God. Or as Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you. Let us walk together with others who share our faith, those of other faiths, and those of good will. This is indeed the path to meaningful peace for all the world's people that we yearn for. By the grace of God, amen.